When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sup Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. We are thrilled to have a guest host with us today who we've been scheduling for a while, author and comedian Ginny Hogan. And um, because you're with us today, I assume you're also an expert in Soviet history, right? Yes, very much so. It's my my, uh, point of study always. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Spent all night, all night toiling away reading. Oh, yeah. I've become an expert via Twitter. It's hard (laughs) not to be these days. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I believe if you are on Twitter, that gives you permission to comment on all geopolitical crises if you have a Twitter mm-hmm. account. Yeah, the THD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rules. Them's the rules. And Elise, I am so excited. We can finally reveal the exciting <laughs> news that Elise is not is not the only comedian to have taken off this weekend. <laughs> Our own Elise Morales starred in an episode of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Finally, we can say. Thank you. Thank you. Not quite starred, but I am there. I, you, What's you, the you definition of starred? I always, I'm such I a stage mom. I think you have to be a little higher on the call sheet to be, to be starred. But um, yeah, I got to shoot an episode of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel last summer. Um, these things take a lot of time. And so... Uh, my first episode is out today, and you might be able to see me in more episodes if you watch the show. I would suggest watching all of the episodes in order to understand. <laughs> Just your episode has, like, an insanely inflated I, amount of views. I personally don't appear in all the episodes, but I think it is best if you kind of watch all of them in the order in which they come out. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it was really fun, and Tony Shalhoub is really nice. And that's what I'll say. Not surprising at all. <laughs> So I feel like we're just going to sort of like, I mean, the vibes are bad. The vibes are bad all around. Vibes are bad. I don't even know how to start this episode. We're going to sort of like, we're going to do for this episode something that I think people need to be doing a little bit more of lately, which is stay in our lane. We will discuss (laughs) the parts of this conflict and its externalities. Not, I don't know. Conflict is not true. Putin's invasion of Ukraine and Mm -hmm. its externalities uh, to the extent that we have expertise and commentary to add. And I'm so glad to have two actual comedians today because we're going to talk about about this comedian who suddenly finds himself fending off Russian Russian invasion. High bar. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I uh, as far as the first comedy president goes, Zelensky's doing amazing. Sweet. <laughs> as they say. <laughs> definitely. Definitely yeah. a good performance. 
No, I think it's cool that his show has gone viral now, although probably not under the circumstances he would have wanted. But um, yeah, I've watched those clips of him mm-hmm. as a comedian. I haven't I watched great. them. I haven't watched them yet. Yeah, great, yeah. great guy. Overall, overall right. rating him highly. But this so I kind of just want to like sit in the dissonance of of this moment and what, what's been happening. I mean, we're living through history. We say that a lot, but this feels this feels different in, in some way. I mean, what, what what did you guys do this weekend? What was your sort of relationship to what was happening? How much news did you absorb? Ginny, how was your weekend? <laughs> um, my weekend was okay. I absorbed a lot of news. And I think it mm-hmm. was like the first time where I really felt like Twitter was actually breaking what was going on. Like I could not... Um, could not follow any one uh, news website enough for it. Or like, it, you know, like mm-hmm. I checked the New York Times and they were not breaking updates as fast as I wanted. And I was just yeah. seeing all these journalists on Twitter being like, I'm at the border. Um, here's what's going on. I was inspired by the women taking up arms. Um, yeah. That kind of got me emotional. I also think, yeah, Zelensky's like a great orator. I'm not surprised he has a performance background. He gave a speech that I heard like the dub version of that that made me cry. It's very, yeah. Really? But it is, it is wild that like, yeah, what's happening. I mean, it's faster to figure out what's happening just via reading someone's tweets and, and the act, like you just kind of figure out exactly what's going on on the ground much faster than if you're checking a, a website or I mean like a, a, mm-hmm. a Twitter is a website, unfortunately, but if you're checking <laughs> like, you know, CNN or something. Yeah. There is like, whenever there are really big crises that happen, there seems to be like a collective kind of, agreement that social media news becomes raise, rises to the level of real news because they are the quickest in that conflict. And then it's very weird when those end suddenly people are like, well, you just saw a tweet. It's like, obviously, we need to balance being suspicious of, you know, fake yeah. news and social yeah. media armchair experts. But there are these moments where it's like, you're right, like you can't get it quick enough. There are there's no other way that I can find out like what this Ukrainian reporter is doing. I also find like I've had like a slight aversion to just the sudden willingness to celebrate like militarism. I find it odd, except <laughs> when I see, except when I see women making Molotov cocktails, then I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, no, that rocks. Um, <laughs> that rocks. Um, yeah, I, uh, I definitely have been feeling similarly to you. Jenny is like, I was finding, trying, trying to just find like individual journalists who appeared to be on the ground to follow while also, you know, being very aware of uh, that Russia is the greatest manipulator of things that are coming out. So it's it's really like been a crazy balance of trying to like get the quickest information and the best information and like the rawest information because I am interested in those human stories about people who are actually experiencing this while also trying to uh, do my due diligence and make sure that the things yeah. that I'm looking... It's, it's been an interesting balance i even just saw like right before we were about to log in that twitter is going to start like labeling everything that comes from like russian state-backed media to try to like yeah to try to like uh you know limit the misinformation or whatever i just saw that before we logged on but it's been really really interesting and that's definitely where i've gravitated towards is just trying to learn more about the people who are actually in this situation and maybe that's because i mean as a New Yorker, like watching people leaving Kiev and stuff, I'm just like, yeah, oh shit. I mean, yeah. I will say the congestion. It. 
I will. Yeah. I yeah. put an Amazon wish list together for my go bag. <laughs> I put some. I put a hand yeah. crank uh, flashlight in my car. Wow. Like, no, we do not. We do not. The, it's so real. And I was just thinking all weekend. We do not in this city have a subway for sleeping. I mean, sadly, people do sleep in the subway, but ours is old. It's gross. It just makes you think about all. Yeah, I think a lot of people have thought about what it would be like if they if they were in this position. And I think we'll talk about yeah. this a little bit later, but I think there is, we also have to recognize why there is such such strong, such strong unequivocal empathy for a group of 45 million white people when there has been similar migrations before where you're not necessarily getting the same, people don't relate to it the same way. So there's definitely like, there's, I think what we're getting at with this intro is there's just so much to weigh right now in terms of, you know, how do we weigh you know, covering and, and giving space for what Russians are speaking out about and how they're being really powerful in their statements without, you know, throwing it in the face of Ukrainians who want to be centered right now. There's yeah, it's a lot. Whenever these big crises happen, I always just get very anxious because they expose all of the questions we need to ask ourselves that don't have good answers. And it's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so hard. It is so hard when a conflict like this is happening to be responsible and thoughtful and empathetic and putting like like there's so much that is rightfully deserves to be like said and centered that it's so hard right. to put the rubik's cube together to also when there exact. are people that have a political interest in who is centered even even if there is a genuine reason to it's um it's a lot but obviously none of us are going through anything near what the people there are, are going through and elise you you posted something over the weekend i found really powerful just discussing you know how you were thinking about your dad's experience migrating from Cuba under mm -hmm. under very stressful circumstances. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm sure that like anyone who has uh, a recent immigration story in their family, especially one where it came under sort of duress, has been thinking about this. Mm -hmm. But again, I was really seeking out a lot of those human stories. So I was seeing a lot of interviews with Ukrainian parents, Ukrainian mothers, kids, people at the border who are leaving and like, my my dad obviously left Cuba under really different circumstances. There weren't literal bombs that were happening in that moment, but it was, yeah. uh, you know, they didn't. It wasn't their plan to go, and I've just been thinking a lot about like, number one, that decision to leave your home is such a such a difficult, crazy, intense decision. I know that it's something that my grandma could never really speak about without getting emotional. It's something that, you know, she was like my age, I think 33 maybe when they left. So it's like she was not expecting to have a life outside of Cuba ever. Mm -hmm. They had to, She had to send her kids ahead, which I was watching a lot of like Ukrainian parents who have had to separate from their children, send them ahead. Dads who are staying behind where moms and kids are going forward. And it's just like, even though my dad's immigration situation, again, really, really different, that separation, that forced leaving of your home, that forced separation of your family, some of these kids aren't going to see Ukraine again because of this. Mm -hmm. Like, like it's um, families are rocked and formed by this kind of thing. And uh, the the trauma reverberates for a really long time. So I've just been, you know, thinking a lot about that and like how many how many family stories are being like formed in this moment for better or for worse because of the displacement that is happening now? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's I also think of as well. Yeah. And I think it's, it is interesting to kind of 
try to like wrap my head around why it feels so different because yeah like you were saying Amanda why like we are there are atrocities kind of happening all around and it does feel like such like an 18th century kind of land grab that's not like other atrocities but then again like the Middle East is war torn like I, I can't help but feel like like it seems so clear to me that we should step in and help them but then I wonder why we're not like helping the Uyghurs why I don't know it just what is the standard for but it also is different because it's you know Putin is is invading a sovereign country um yeah and just trying to completely upend the world order um so I'm trying to yeah I just it's difficult for me to wrap my head around like the ways that it's different versus the ways that it's that there are other equally horrific things Mm -hmm. happening that we should not be like immune to yeah yeah I think the whataboutism is sort of just like Let's let it be instructive in this moment. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using Pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. I want to kind of focus on today, and I think a way that appropriately applies applies our expertise is the halo that's formed around President Volodymyr Zelensky amid his pretty heroic handling of Putin's invasion of his country. He was already pretty popular in Ukraine, but the world has rallied around the 44-year-old comedian. It's just been wild to see how social yeah. media handles big, the war. Big <laughs> moves for Gen X. Huge for Gen <laughs> X, I would say. <laughs> Huge. For multiple nights now, Zelensky has warned his countrymen and women that he may not survive another day as he resists offers from other countries to shelter or evacuate uh, as 
he and his family, Putin may try to directly target. And he famously said over the weekend to U.S. officials that he needed more ammunition, not a ride. So let's do some background on Volodymyr Zelensky. In 2015, he created, produced, and starred in a show called Servant of the People. It had three seasons. So pretty good. The premise was that a high school history teacher in his 30s is unexpectedly elected president of Ukraine after a viral video filmed by one of his students shows him making a rant against a government corruption. Great the show pilot. Ran for three seasons. I love Great it. Pilot. Clear premise. Great synopsis. Yeah, you hear it and you're like, of course he had a show. Clear premise. Perfect. Love exactly. to see the deck for that. And then after the show, Zelensky, they, they named political party after the show. So the political party was called <laughs> Servant of the People. Just imagine if there was a political party called, like, The Office, Parks yeah. and Recreation. <laughs> the Euphoria Party. Oh, God, love that, they're that. chaos. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sure. anarchy. They're decriminalizing all drugs immediately. But Yeah, Zelensky but the ran, arts funding is incredible. Oh, and finally, finally. <laughs> Zelensky ran with the Servant of the People Party and was elected president of Ukraine in 2019 with over 70% of the second-round vote, so very popular. And... Just for some sort of background on how he anticipated this new job going, in 2019, in an interview with The Spiegel, he said he went into politics to restore trust in politicians and that he wanted to, quote, bring professional, decent people to power, and that he would really like to change the mood and timbre of the political establishment as much as possible. Well, sir, you got that. <laughs> he was also at the center of the first impeachment of Donald Trump, of course, and what I learned this morning, I didn't know this was on his uh, filmography, he recorded the voice of Paddington Bear in the Ukrainian dubbing of Paddington no. Paddington 2. He's Ukrainian Iconic. Paddington? Iconic. We have to watch is, it. Oh, my gosh. Is there anything he can't do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Wow. I mean, he's in the absurd. voice acting space as well. He's in the voice acting well, space, really? Yeah. He really has to have a podcast. I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One thing I think is so, so, well, this is probably a very self-indulging comparison, but it's like he's so brave for staying, you know, when everyone is, off, all these other countries are offering him evacuation trips. And I just think about how, um, like, anytime you tell someone you do stand-up, they always, like, tell you how brave they are. And I wonder if that was his... <laughs> <laughs> if that was how Zelensky first got so brave. But then I'm realizing right. that's a really... You know, I shouldn't really compare those two things. But no, I, I actually love to tell stand-ups they're brave. I they think do. That, that being... A st- doing... Deciding to do stand-up or be a stand-up and deciding to stay in your capital when Putin has targeted you, it takes this... Both of them take this fuck-it attitude. Like, fuck-it. Whatever. Fuck it. You have to have this like abandon of self-consciousness to do it. There's like, I think that there is a kernel of link there in that like Zelensky clearly is a confident person. He clearly believes in himself. Like he obviously his skill as like an orator and his skill of like moving people as a performer has legitimately come in handy his knowledge of how to like use a camera to talk to people has come in handy it's kind of it's kind of strange because we had obviously the most horrific version of a reality tv president possible but it seems like we're actually seeing here where like this person who's aware of publicity and aware of performance has actually been able to use that to keep focus on himself in a way that maybe someone who wasn't as skilled of a performer wouldn't be able to? I think that's true. I I think it's clear that he's like, I mean, he, yeah, came to power as a social media, like using social media so effectively. And I think it's pretty clear that he's like a very skilled performer and kind of knows how Mm -hmm. to 
appeal to people as I think a lot of good is true of a lot of good politicians, but I feel like him being mm-hmm. like a literal TV star, it only adds to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Have y'all seen his dancing with the stars? <laughs> He won yeah. Ukrainian Dancing with the Stars, and he's so really many good. skills. He is. I saw that clip too. Yeah. Did I you see the one pretty... of him playing Pavel Nagila on a piano, pretending to do so with his genitals? Oh my no. gosh! I was gonna post that but because there's some. I saw other people post, but it was like, I think people have space for looking at his lighthearted catalog right now. I don't think we have space for the world word genitals. Right yeah. In this conference. I think you were right not to post it to sup. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but it does speak yeah he's very confident very uh very confident gentleman. That is and i just confident. like that you just confident. imagine putin just fucking seething that the world has just rallied around this guy i cannot imagine he expected to make such a hero of Zelensky. i mean i just imagine i just imagine putin having like a regina george meltdown right now i mean most yes. experts have said that he has you know you hear a weird mix of like it's, te- it's even non-Trumpy types are like, also what's going on in the background of this? I'm seeing a lot of like sudden armchair generals. People are acting oh, like yeah. it's a war fantasy league. And suddenly everybody knows about war tactics and Russian arms. And it's like, y'all, calm down. Yeah, no. <laughs> you I can't don't. remember where I was going with that. I just was noticing a no, lot of armchair No, it was an appropriate rant wherever and, it was going, Amanda. And a lot of, a lot of like armchair Putin diagnoses, which are oh, probably right, exactly. mostly accurate, but then they get so specific. I mean, it is a pet, general right. pet mute. Keep in mind when someone like gets extremely specific with a diagnosis about a public figure, you know, it's like, oh, it's clear that like he has like a narcissistic clear. personality disorder that was developed as a late adolescent because if it developed as an early adolescent, he would like be this way instead. And it just gets so increasingly specific and clearly no one knows what they're talking about. Although was that, was that the Annalyn McCord diagnosis? Oh, yes, that was that's also what I was about excellent. To say. That was excellent. <laughs> I mean, I made fun of it, but honestly, I thought it was, I like that it rhymed. Not yeah. enough pumps do these days. Not enough pumps do. For anyone who hasn't Googled, Anna Lynn McCord. Um, I lo- I personally loved that she kind of put laid the blame on Putin's mother because I think yeah. it's really special <laughs> to find a way to make this a woman's fault and to exactly. say, like, no, no, if only a woman had stepped in earlier, she could yeah. have handled you know, this. The real it's like was Putin had a working mom. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The real real problem is that Putin's mom had a job. (laughs) Yeah. Vladimir Vladimir Putin. She didn't stay home to cook. Where do you think that that falls in the trifecta now of the Annalyn McCord, the Gal Gadot Imagine Song, and the Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad? We now have a trifecta. The the triumvirate of cringe. Mm. Triumvirate. Exactly. The triumvirate of cringe. I think Annalyn Court, it's like I don't know her for anything else. So I think she wins because she's like a hundred percent this cringe thing. Whereas yeah. like Kendall Jenner at least is sometimes cool. So, and Gal Gadot was like Superwoman. I think I don't even really true. Yeah, know what else I do was think that Anna Lynn McCord. That's like yeah, because I had no idea who she was, and it's it's so outrageous to do that and not realize that um, you're doing something foolish. Yeah, but I mean, nobody has probably said she has probably not had a Google alert for her name in a year. So yeah, now she does. What's what's iconic about what Gal Gadot did is that she brought so many others down with her. 
And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she took so many with her, and that yeah. is that, an that's honorable huge. mention. Or, or I think this is another genre. But did you all see the Applebee's commercial? The war sponsored by Applebee's. No, but what? I'm going to you now. did, you did, you did, Elise. Oh yes, oh yeah. the one that yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the, There's the... they sort of CNN tried to end its coverage before a commercial break by sort of like listening. It was a pretty impactful pivot to commercial break. Um, just listening to the air raid silent sirens with no reporters saying anything, but then it immediately went into a very unfortunate Applebee's commercial. The one that's like a tick and, <laughs> that's a TikTok song. It's like I don't know how it goes. It's like let's go get an ordinary <laughs> milkshake. It's like a hick anthem. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was like bomb sirens over like a guy kind of like shaking his butt about Applebee's. It was oh so my good. gosh. <laughs> it, but, was, Elisa, it was poorly I, timed. You, you got to something I wanted to sort of talk about with you two today, which is like, I feel like our country in particular has just had or is in the middle of this very long conversation about whether entertainers should be government leaders. And I feel like we came out pretty strongly against no, never again, cannot be done, terrible idea. And now here we have the world, I think, you know, rightly, uh, heralding this man. And part of that, part of the glee over him does involve his background. I think people are like, oh my God, look at the range. What an amazing story this guy has. Paddington. Paddington. What do you Paddington. think accounts for the pit quick pivot? Do you think it really wasn't about, what do you think has made Zelensky such a figure for this moment that he is, that everybody is siding with him? Well, I think he's met the moment, you know? Like, I think if True. he had done a shitty job and run away and been, you know, weak or whatever, it would have been a different deal. But, I, I mean, I just find myself consistently impressed that again and again, because this one dude uh, is brave, like, like he stood up to Donald Trump when he didn't. You know what I mean? Like, Donald Trump is, like, one of the biggest bullies in the world. Donald Trump was withholding threatening to withhold aid that would have prevented this ev very eventuality. Like, he was holding this situation over Zelensky's head when he made his request, and Zelensky said no then, and then we're seeing how brave he is now. I just think that he's actually... I think the difference is he's actually a good person. <laughs> like, Donald Trump is a terrible man, so... It's true, it's true. I mean, it's like, I guess the idea is that, you know, the personalities that sometimes get into these things are not always made made for great leaders, but it turns out yeah. with this one, it synced perfectly. Because it's interesting because we sort of hold, like we hold ire for like whoever it was that like greenlit The Apprentice, you know, but now on the reverse, we're probably like whoever gave Zelensky that show was a national hero. <laughs> God yeah. bless the executive. Well, we do need to leave jobs open for comedians who want to stop being comedians or else they're just <laughs> absolutely. We can't cut them out Absolutely. of every profession. As a comedian I, myself, I have to say that, like, yeah, we otherwise they're just going to keep being mm -hmm. comedians, and we already have way too many. So yeah, if not, they and it's run important. For office and they're not they're not horrible. I say run for office. Do do anything else, really. I feel about a lot of comedians. Yeah, mm -hmm. we have Sometimes enough. It's important to let us pivot. Go yeah, run exactly. For yeah, yeah, yeah. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. 
Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. How do you guys um how how has the vibe been on comedy Twitter? What do you guys think comedy has a role right now? Have you seen any major like fuck ups? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I think whenever this happens, there's always a battle between like the people who think that kind of any amount of joking around a serious subject is not appropriate versus what is and isn't appropriate. Like comedy is always in a community in a conversation about kind of that element of it and like what what is within the bounds of a comedian who's with it who's in the united states who isn't facing this down personally but is experiencing this and does have an art form that is valuable and that speaks truth to power and has done so for a very long time like how do you calibrate that i think is a conversation that is always happening among comedians yeah, I have not seen a high-profile fuck-up. I do get so... I mean, I sometimes just get really annoyed when it, I start to see, like, the tweets about the way people are tweeting, you know? And it's like, yeah. let's just, like, make a blanket correction of, like... Or, like, put, you know, put... And I'm, like, totally pro-cancel culture. It's not It's not that I don't <laughs> like PC culture. It's just, like, um, the just, like, you know, like... I can't think of anything else to say, so I'm going to complain about, like, the way other people are tweeting as a you know, large community. Well, um, I'll see a tweet that's like, y'all, the World War Three jokes aren't funny. That has 300,000 retweets. And I'm like, I haven't seen one World War Three joke. I also have not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have I have tried to be on Twitter a little bit less. Yeah. So, but. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, I think but, that's a true yeah. release. I think that like, considering your place in it and like, if you're going to make commentary that has any levity, it has to just be of your own experience, not anybody else's experience. We do not speak about yeah. this experience in moments. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I do think sometimes like the World War Three stuff doesn't hit for people because it's yeah. like, okay, but is it going to be World War Three for you, comedian who's sitting at home in your Twitter? Or is it going to be World War Three for like people who are actually on this border? So I think that, you know, there's a conversation there. Like, 
but but we are experience we're all experiencing the same terror so like there's a conversation to be had about who has the right to make that joke but i mean other i i do think that comedy is an important uh like mechanism for discussing what's going on in the world and it is even though it's funny and it's silly it is an art form and like it should be allowed to exist alongside any kind of thing that's happening in the world. I mean, Charlie Chaplin famously made a film about Hitler to critique Hitler. So, like, yeah, there's there's a history of comedy being used in a powerful way, and I don't think we should shut down, that down. But also, like, you have to think about where your voice is needed and in what capacity, for sure. Right. And, like, just making sure who you're poking fun at. You know, it's like if you're exactly. making fun of the people in power, then that is better than, that's how I feel yeah. that's like a good barometer is like I think that satire is only satire if you're like you can't something punching down is not satire so like yeah mm-hmm. as American so. citizens we can make we can you know attack the power structures that are that are keeping Ukrainians mm-hmm. suffering and that's definitely within within bounds but we also got some really incredible news for U.S. politics on Friday when President Joe Biden announced that Judge Katanji Brown Jackson has been nominated to serve on the Supreme Court Brown Jackson would be the first black woman to serve on the bench, and she's 51 years old, so she'll be the youngest person on the court. Amy Coney Barrett is a couple years younger, but this is noteworthy because uh, these guys get to serve their whole life. I just imagine being 51 and having to get a new job, a really hard job. You have to read so much that you're expected to do for the rest of your life. I'm done. I'm 32. I'm done. You're done. Yeah, I mean, and they like, when they say the rest of your life, no, they mean, was, yeah. they mean it like you got to <laughs> die on that bench. And something about the bench yeah. makes you live a long time for liberals, at least. No, and people were like so impressed with Stephen Breyer for like retiring instead of waiting to die. But he's like, what, like 83? 82. That's not, no, why, yeah, 82, why, not a young retirement. I don't understand. I don't understand people who want to be working at 82 years old. When I am 82, you, everything comes to me. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. not doing shit for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody yeah. asks me my opinion when I'm 82. No, thank you. No, I have to write down my emails. opinion. You have to answer your emails. You're 82 years old. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> At least Never just wear a robe. That's, That's true. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You gotta fuck. You're 82 years old. You gotta deal with Brett Kavanaugh every day. No, thank oh, you. Oh, no. God. Um, I read that she did improv with Matt Damon at Harvard. Yes. I would love a video. I don't think we're going to get it. Um, but it does make me think about the time that Damon played Kavanaugh and like that, you know. Wow. That it Supreme all Court. comes together. Yeah. yeah. It is just like, that sounds like just a fun extra thing, but it is like, it is amazing just to see how over the years, I mean, it used to just be all all old stodgy white guys. And now like not only she did improv, but like she did musical theater too. Like she's really cool. Yeah. She's a cool yeah, no, lady. On top of being like a brilliant, you know, I'm very activist. happy to have someone young enough that they fell for the improv comedy boom, like that they yes. were roped into that. That's <laughs> and that college that somebody else that arrived yeah, at college. Well, like, I always say that college is the most appropriate time to do improv. You know, absolutely. if you have to do it, do it in college. So she chose you have to do it. <laughs> it actually proves that it, it should be discussed in her hearing that it proves that she has a good head on her shoulders that she did it in college and then she stopped. Yeah, she didn't yeah, keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, definitely. Whereas some well, of us did actually spend thousands of dollars to continue. Myself included. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And get Maybe like emotionally traumatized. People here. I should not be on the Supreme Court. Yeah. 
What what improv skills do you think come in handy as a Supreme Court justice? Like, what do you think? Like, not saying yes. That's not a good one. Yeah, because there's a lot of stuff that's gonna come across that you do not want to say yes to. Um, we're not gonna yes. Listening, and, uh, bounty on oh, listen, <laughs> listening, listening is critical. Yeah, critical listening skills very important. Um, there's a concept called playing to the top of your intelligence, oh. which I think uh, is that just what it sounds like. Um, sort of, it means, yeah, like, um, not, pl- not playing dumb, not being, not, not oh, like being it. the smartest version of the thing that you're trying to be. So it doesn't mean that your character no can't be fruit. dumb, but it's not, yeah, but it's not going to be like the ultimate dumbest version. Mm-hmm. I just feel like yeah. we're just, this means we're going to get the, uh, the clapbacks to Ted Cruz and the confirmation hearings. I think they're going to yeah. be epic. I hope she that saves That is also true, is to quickly theater. come up with like quickly assess what is unusual about what's going on mm-hmm. to be fair mm-hmm. i feel like during the hearings it will be clear to all of us what's unusual it's just pretty, <laughs> like i mean anything it's usually Tedgers Tedgers. Is not, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, over the weekend lindsey graham was like oh because i think she went she went to harvard for both undergrad and uh, grad which i guess is a, is a bad thing but we do sometimes talk about with supreme court you know there were some candidates that biden considered that had some more diversity and educational background but uh, Katanji Brown Jackson did graduate from Harvard and uh, Lindsey Graham pointed that out like, oh, great, another one on the Harvard Yale train. But he was head over heels for Brett Kavanaugh, who also was on the Harvard and Yale, Harvard and Yale train. I know. And like, like in a less impressive way, like it's not impressive yeah. for a guy named Brett to go to Yale. Like <laughs> no, that's been happening that, for so long. There's an, there's an anecdote that one of her, like her first year at Harvard, it might've been, maybe it wasn't first, but it was pretty early on her career where white students were hanging, a white student hung a Confederate flag, like from his, from his dorm. And the point was to intimidate and to show black people that they like did not belong here, there. And I mean, black women have been allowed at like, Harvard for five seconds. Like it's yeah. like, really really and truly guys named brett have been allowed at harvard since they were it was harvard was originally called the school for brett and like literally the school for brett's and george's yeah the school for (laughs) brett and his friends (laughs) his friends what what are his friends name Oh, um, Tobin and Squee. Of course. Yeah. How could he ever forget Tobin and, and we'll Squee? Also, like, we'll never forget about his college days because he really took us on like a tour through them, really like did. screaming about. I don't think that um, that we're going to have that again. The, the yeah. whole flashbacks. Yeah. Hopefully. Not. I would much prefer uh, a retrospective of Kataji Brown Jackson's at Harvard. I mean, she adapted a Billie true. Holiday album to be a musical theater production. That's so yeah, that While rocks. also becoming, you know, a lawyer and doing all of the other things you could expect. I mean, her, her laundry list of accomplishments are incredible. So, I mean, obviously she's going to have she's going to have a confirmation hearing in the next couple of weeks. Chuck Schumer said um, she originally got involved in theater. As, she's from Miami. Lots of cool stuff. I imagine I would definitely recommend reading uh, a lot of a lot of background about her. But I'm sure Republicans are going to be clowns in her confirmation hearing. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Republicans, we were going to chat a little bit about CPAC today. Did you guys catch any of it? Uh, definitely not like watching it, but I yeah. did read about what, it. Same. What did you read? Well, it's just so much faster for me to go through and read like what wasn't true than have to like watch the whole <laughs> thing. And I mean, none of it was true. So it's not like that saved me that much time. But um, I the slogan for the whole thing was awake, not woke. Like mm. what? That's so weird. I don't know. It's just like, what are they awake? too you know i i don't know like it's just so strange to me that like they can hate wokeness so much that being against it is their whole platform without really like 
clarifying what any of that means. Yeah. Um, also, I thought I was okay. So Trump made some claim that he was like the only yeah. president, like in this century during which time Russia didn't invade another country. It's like one of those things where like sometimes like he says things that are factually true. They're just so specific that they don't really mean <laughs> anything at a certain point. Like, it doesn't matter. Like when he like, like during the election, I mean, I actually, I don't even know if that one's factually true, but there have only been four presidents, so it could be, yeah. but like he, um, they he sound said, impressive like, just because they're accurate. Right. And like he said, I, like during the election when he was like, I've gotten the most votes of any sitting president ever. And I'm like, that is true because more people vote every election. So like yeah. both of you are going to get more votes than anyone ever. And you're the sitting president. But like, it's not that's not how elections are decided, you know, like, yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. It's so it's so funny with like the woke thing that you were talking about too i kept seeing w- tweets like from different i don't know you know you see these tweets and it's like a verified random republican and you're like is this person in the house are they running to be in the house of, um, you might be thinking of representative clay higgins who accused millennials of making a quote non-binary fuss <laughs> yes okay yeah he was like y'all you're non-binary fuss yelling at the woke sky i'm like what are you talking about yeah, you know that, that even dictionary.com replied to that dictionary.com i i hate brand twitter except for duolingo but generally i hate brand twitter i think it's like really you could write a thesis on how it just represents the degradation of society but dictionary.com <laughs> replied and they were like bro we don't even know what this means and we're, we're literally the dictionary like, we have no idea what we're talking about. but it is That's so really interesting hard. that at cpac that like they this is supposed to be the party like the hawkish party and you can't even come up with a coherent narrative when russia when we're at when there's a country there are countries in europe at war it's crazy i mean the, the expectations for them are are so low well, it's because they can't like Biden is against what Russia is doing. Obviously, the entire world is. But they have made they have staked their entire existence on being against anything, the opposite of anything that he does. Yeah. So now they're in this crazy position where like they can't be for this thing that literally the entire world they're, they're is for. Like they're trying to cancel Putin. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that Tucker Carlson thing was so when he was like, was so um, disturbing. what did Putin do? Did he like ever get you fired for being racist? And it's like, OK, you're getting really specific with like exact things that have pissed off like your friends, you know, and you like, <laughs> right. it's just like has he ever like kicked you out of a bathroom or, so, or I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah. Something. Um, uh, did he ever not yeah. fulfill your Venmo for your golf vacation? Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, well, yeah. I, yeah so crazy i read uh, it was i guess it was like gail collins and brett stevens like when they do that weird dialogue thing this morning um they were saying that like in 2006 like she wrote a column against russia and it was like liberals who were super mad and now it's like republicans and yeah they'll just like take the opposite i mean i don't know it's just i think that's been yeah kind of like what has fascinated me about the kind of like global response to this is just how how it's falling into existing binaries and like paradigms. And it's like when, you know, in this country, we generally hate guns and arming people. And now we're like, yeah, look at all these people in lines to get guns without background checks. It's like, it is, mm-hmm. it's it's a wartime effort. It's different, but it is just so interesting. The collective, the way that we all respond, respond to things. And as Elise totally. said, we want to make sure we're doing so in a way uh, that is helpful. We're share we're making sure resources to donate are always shared um, on our Instagram, you guys know Sammy is really knowledgeable about this, and so she is definitely focusing on this and morning announcements every single day, still somehow keeping it five minutes. 
And then also um, we noted last week that we were going to switch to three times a week for March. And the day that we're going to skip for the time being is Wednesdays. Caitlin is going to hop on with us on other days. So we're not missing out on Caitlin. We're just going to skip Wednesdays, some days, but probably not even this week because there is too much news. Thank you so much for joining us, Ginny. You're writing a whole a whole ass book. Where can people find more from you? Yeah, so my book is called I'm More Dateable Than a Plate of Refried Beans. It's a book of um, humor pieces about modern dating. And uh, you can Google the, the book. It's available on um, from Chronicle, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or you can find it on my Twitter at Ginny Hogan underscore. It's my, um, like, the LinkedIn bio tweet or on my Instagram, same handle. Um, yeah. When does it come out? It's out May 3rd, but you can pre-order it now. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, we'll definitely have yeah. to get you back with uh, Jared and Jordana on you up. That sounds like... Oh, yeah, I would love to. Their yeah. audience would love. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And this is The Betcha Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betcha Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.